It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. From the G Family Performance Center in Edmond, Oklahoma, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G, a.k.a. The Mad Hatter, and this is your post-game Denver Nuggets podcast. So thank you very much for making us a part of your late night and a part of your morning. Coming up on this show, since we are recording it prior to the game, but releasing it afterwards, we'll talk about Paul George not really flying under the radar anymore for his MVP award. There was a big article today by Royce Young on ESPN, but what exactly does Paul George's surge and possibility of becoming an MVP say about the Oklahoma City Thunder and about Russell Westbrook? And is it more of a testament to the organization and Russ than it is PG? We get into that in segment number one. In segment number two, Joe Kim Noah says that he was too lit to play in New York. And now he's going to Memphis. And prior to that, he played in Chicago. So was it really a problem with New York? How much of an issue was it with Joe Kim Noah? And why I just can't buy him saying that. Plus, I will also give you a tip and tell you that if you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, there is reason to get one now. Not only because Brett Dawson is writing about the Oklahoma City Thunder, but there is a heck of an article by Tony Jones on former Thunder player, Uh, Tabo Cephalosha, and we'll discuss that a little bit. And then finally, did Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook meets the first lady or former first lady, Michelle Obama. And I just kept looking at the picture over and over again. And one thing came to mind, and I think one of them was starstruck. I'll tell you which one was starstruck coming up next or coming up in segment number three here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. My name is Eric G. I work for 1340 The Game here in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I also work for News Radio 1000 KTOK. I've had the privilege of covering the Oklahoma City Thunder now for almost six years. We're into five and a half right now. And um, hey, if you like what you hear, you can listen to Locked on Thunder anytime by subscribing on Apple iTunes or just by going to LockedOnThunder.com where we have every single one of our podcast archive, plus we're available at LockedOnPodcast.com, and you can subscribe there as well and get the podcast every single day in your inbox. So there we go. I also have video and audio from players and coaches available at LockedOnThunder.com. So much for Paul George flying under the radar. Um, I was really hoping Paul George and the Oklahoma City Thunder would kind of skate through this season without anyone knowing just how well they've been playing over these last few months. But all that got blown to hell by Royce Young. Damn you, Royce, for doing your job. Uh, Royce wrote a hell of an article about Paul George and how he's able to find a comfort level here in Oklahoma City and what he had to learn about the organization, what the organization had to learn about him. And for Billy Donovan, he had to understand that Paul George is a guy that lets the game come to him. He plays within the flow of the game. And you can run set plays for him, 
but Paul's comfort zone is just figuring out what's going on and Taylor making his game to what's happening around him. And I started thinking about Paul George and Paul George being MVP and why he's he's had such a good comfort level here in Oklahoma City and why it's worked out so well for him. And as much as that says about Paul George, coming in, being a superstar in his own right, and conceding to Russell Westbrook, being the guy in Oklahoma City, and doing his best to acclimate to what's going on here, he was still a free agent and could have left at any time and gone any place else that he wanted to because he didn't feel like this necessarily fit him or benefited him. And I believe that Paul George's success actually says more about Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder than it does about Paul George. First and foremost, when you see Russell not only concede to him, but concede to a guy like Alex Sabrinas the other night, even though that may have driven you crazy, it automatically flies in the face of everything that a guy like Colin Cowherd or any of other any of Russ's other critics would say that he's strictly a numbers guy, he only plays for himself, he doesn't involve his teammates, completely blows that argument out of the water. And what we found out with Russ is, no, he's definitely alpha male and somebody needed to concede to him. But in order for a guy like Paul George to concede to a Russell Westbrook, he's got to have reason to concede to Russell Westbrook. This isn't just coming in and being deferential because Russ is Russ is the statue here. He's the face of the organization. Russ did everything he could to ingratiate himself to Paul George. And the organization did everything they could to not only make Paul George welcome, but throughout last season, and Sam Presti was very vocal about this, they did everything within their power to make sure that Paul George understood where the Thunder were going and that he was going to be part of the organization. And these were the plans, and we want you to be a part of this. They, they never once didn't make him feel welcome. And that's the biggest thing about the Thunder organization that doesn't get enough publicity is that they do treat their players very well. Reggie Jackson will tell you a different story. Depending on the day, Kevin Durant might tell you a different story. But for the most part, a superstar in his own right, Paul George, has to feel comfortable with the organization in order to let himself be a part of it, especially when he knows he can only be there for a few months. And, and I look at Paul George's success, and as much as I want to just credit it to him and and being comfortable and him finding his way in Oklahoma City, I have to give a lot of credit to Billy Donovan. I have to give a lot of credit to Russ and to Sam Presti for making sure that when Paul George got here from day one, they made sure, hey, not only do we want you, but we're going to do what we can to make you a part of this organization and feel like you have ownership in this organization, that you're not just a rental. And Paul George kept saying over and over again, last summer when when he was going through his exit interviews or talking about Russell Westbrook and, and the future of the Oklahoma City Thunder and why they weren't exactly cohesive and, and why they couldn't get things together, Paul George kept saying something, a phrase, kept using over and over again, a phrase that we blew off, it's just year one. It's just year one. And now in year two, things have gotten 
a whole lot better. And tonight is a must-win situation against the Denver Nuggets. One, because you're coming off a bad loss to New Orleans. And the last three nights, the Oklahoma City Thunder just haven't really played a complete game. And tonight, that's what I want to see is from start to finish, Oklahoma City go out and play a complete game. Which, of course, if you're listening to this after the game, then you know darn good and well they either did or didn't play a complete game. But Denver's got six players on the bench, and three guys in particular are on the bench tonight for the Denver Nuggets that could make uh, a big difference. Um, one, I think Paul Millsap is out tonight, which is which is big time for them. He's gonna he's gonna be out with a toe injury. Um, who else is out tonight that that makes a that makes a big Will Barton is out tonight. He's got a core injury, and Gary Harris is out along with Isaiah Thomas and uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt. Not that those guys matter as much, but but here you are after losing to the Denver Nuggets at home and, and doing so in embarrassing fashion. Now they've got three key guys sitting on the bench. You're coming off a loss. You've had a day to rest. Figure out everything that, that's going on. There shouldn't be too many distractions around you. This is your opportunity if you're Oklahoma City to go out and take one and keep fighting for that that number one seed in, in the Western Conference over and over again. And I was uh, looking at a couple of things today in, in prepping for the podcast where people are already talking about conference realignment and all sorts of things in, in the NBA. I'm not sure how you do conference realignment. I'm not sure that that, and I think that's always a hot topic to to, to solve things when people aren't getting their way and and seeing the NBA or or any other league play out the way it is. I think the conferences are just fine as they are. I would do away with divisions because they've become pointless now, and it doesn't matter who wins the Northwest or the Pacific or whatever. It just matters where you are. In the conference, and I don't even, I'll I'll be honest, when I prep for this show, I don't even look at the division standings anymore. That's how worthless they've become. Whether Oklahoma City wins a division or not, doesn't matter to me. Just let me know where they are in the conference. Let me know where those first few games are going to be and whether or not the Thunder have got themselves a a favorable matchup. But I I don't think there's, there's any coincidence that what's going on with the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, going back to the original point and, and Paul George and why he's comfortable, is that the Thunder always talk about a family atmosphere. They preach a family atmosphere, and that's been knocked for the last few years. A lot of people call him BS on that. But I don't think that there's any question that what the Thunder do right now is making not just Paul George, not just Russell Westbrook, but every player who comes into this organization feel comfortable and it really isn't just the front office or the coaches, but the players are doing a great job of that themselves. And it's really showing in the, in the way they're playing. These guys are having a lot of fun out there. And hopefully that fun continued tonight against the Denver Nuggets. And if it didn't, well, then we'll just talk about it on tomorrow's podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll break it down. Yes, we will be podcasting tomorrow and talking about uh, the Denver Nuggets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Coming up next... Dude, you got to be disciplined. It's on you. Don't be blaming the city. Talk about Joe Kim Noah coming up next. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. 
but there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We have another episode of Locked On Sooners that we've dropped as well, and we'll also have another episode coming out this Saturday morning. So we'll take care of your weekend listening with Locked On Thunder and Locked On Sooners, both part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And every Locked On podcast is available via Apple iTunes, Google Stitcher, Spotify, and Alexa. Also, you can subscribe um, at LockedOnPodcast.com and at Apple iTunes. And if you feel the need, please rate us five stars. Please get that five-star rating up for Locked On Thunder. Locked On Sooners already five stars. Very proud of that. But hopefully uh, you'll rate Locked On Thunder five stars because you're enjoying uh, what we're putting down here at LOT. This is the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your host, Eric G. And that last tease, I admit, was misleading because Joe Kim Noah, in, in a recent radio interview, did blame himself for not for not being successful in New York and for it not working out. Actually, what he said was, hey, you know, my fault, not their fault, it just didn't work out. But he did say that he was too lit. He said he was too lit to play in New York, which means that he was going out partying a lot, admitted that he was having you know 60 people over at his house after any particular game and said that Memphis is perfect for him. But first of all, I got to call BS on you being too lit for New York. It's total BS on on your part because you played in Chicago. You were in Chicago for a good amount of time before you were in New York. And you're telling me you can't party in Chicago? If you can't party in Chicago, you haven't done it right. That place is just as lit as New York is, to use Joe Kim Noah's. And I, I realize my age, white dude, shouldn't be using lit, but is what it is. Yeah, Chicago's a pretty fun place. Uh, You can get into a whole lot of trouble into Chicago just as much, if not even a little more, depending on what part of town you're in. No, I'm not buying that. What I think happened in New York, and what Joe Kim Noah's not saying, is he signed that big deal, got a little fat and happy, didn't keep himself in shape, was got, got to that point where a lot of guys get to in their career. And this is something I actually don't blame players for, is when you work your butt off so long for something and you are finally given it and that something is that big-time contract that's going to allow you to financially set yourself up for life, possibly your family up, up for life, then guys do tend to get a little lazy because as far as they're concerned, they made it. They got their payday. They put all their effort in. 
and they want to enjoy it. And, and that's only human. That, that really is only human for a guy to go out and enjoy it or a guy to, strangely enough, sometimes put a lot of pressure on himself because he feels like he has to live up to that contract. That's what happened to Joe Kim Noah. Four years, big deal, and he's like, hey, man, I'm just going to party right now. And, and I don't necessarily blame him. I just don't want to hear him making excuses that the city had way too many temptations for him because of how he rolls. No, don't say that, because in Memphis, I look, I don't know how long or how many times he's been to Memphis, but some pretty cool party places in Memphis as well. No, it may not be New York. It may, it may not be 24-7. Memphis may only get you till about 2 or 3 in the morning, but still, that's plenty of time to get to 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 do enough to do enough damage. And I root for the guy. I just I, I don't like it when pe- when players use partying as an excuse because there are several examples of guys out there who can go out and stay to, stay out till all hours of the night and be just as effective the next day. And you've got to know whether or not you're one of those kind of guys. Am I a party guy? Can I go out? Can I play? Can I be effective the next day? If so, live that lifestyle. If that's not you, and especially as you get older, you realize you're not going to function as well after you've spent out all after you spent the entire night drinking, then stifle it. Just don't do it anymore. Be a little bit more disciplined to your sport or your team. But if you don't care about them, then hey, you're a millionaire. You can do whatever you want and the team will release you and everyone will go about their merry way. One guy that didn't go about his merry way one night in New York was Tabo Cephalosha, former Oklahoma City Thunder. And this happened back when he was playing with the Hawks, got arrested after after an incident that went down at a club, an incident that really Tabo Cephalosha shouldn't have been arrested for. But it affected him. What happened that night in New York deeply affected him psychologically. And he's also gone through a series of injuries. And this is a, he's a fascinating, he's a fascinating guy, first of all, to begin with, because his parents were an interracial couple from South Africa and they ended up flee, uh, fleeing to, to France and, um, or, or Sweden. No, why did I say, why did I say France? But they ended up going to Switzerland. I, got, I even got the country wrong there. South America, I'm right about that. They ended up going to Switzerland, and he becomes the first Swiss player to play in the NBA. Well, that alone should pique your interest. Just his backstory alone should pique your interest. But if you want to find out just how deeply affected he was by that night in New York, not only having to talk to his coaches because he and one of his teammates spent the bulk of a night in jail, um, and just having to deal with his coaches and then his teammates, and they had fought to get the best record. It is a great read, and I'm not going to give it all away here because I it would take too much of a segment up. And um, one, I just want you to subscribe to the Athletic because I think it's a it's a great website. But you have got to read that. It's by a guy by the name of Tony Jones, and we can discuss it a little bit more on tomorrow's podcast. But I'm telling you, man. What this guy went through is incredible, and I don't know how many of you knew his backstory from the time he was here in Oklahoma City, but he is easily, easily one of the most fascinating players to have ever played in the association. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up next on LOT, who was more starstruck? Was it Michelle Obama or Russell Westbrook? Well, there's a definitive answer on that, and I'll tell you which one it is. Coming up next... 
here on the Locked On Thunder podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Sooners is out as well, and that can be found at LockedOnPodcast.com and all the other places that you can get the Locked On Podcast Network, which is Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and Alexa. Subscribe via via Apple iTunes and rate us five stars if uh, you're into that thing. Um, There it is. It's It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, home of the Locked On Sooners podcast and the Locked On Thunder podcast. All right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Time to wrap things up. And Russell Westbrook had a chance meeting in an airport with First Lady Michelle Obama. I believe it was the uh, Denver airport. And he got his book autographed by her. And there he tweeted out a picture and they're both smiling. But it was clear to see in that picture. Absolutely clear to see that he was more starstruck by her than she by him. And... I don't know how it could have gone any other way. I mean, you could tell that that, that Russell Westbrook had a deep affinity for her, a lot of respect, and I mean, dare I use the word idol? Michelle Obama is one of his idols, and Barack Obama is probably one of his idols as well. And as as famous as, as Russell Westbrook is, there are even some circles that a guy like Russell Westbrook doesn't get to run in. Not many. Not many, but a lot of times athletes don't get to run in those political circles unless they go out and actively get involved in those political circles. So for him, this was a really big deal. And for me, that's kind of cool to see somebody like Russell Westbrook get starstruck because it's so easy to become jaded when you are on the floor with guys like LeBron James, when you're on the floor with a Kobe Bryant Um, Giannis, um, you're a star in your own right and and everybody's clamoring for your autograph and and your picture is hanging up on bedroom walls all across the country and there's people wearing your jersey. I mean, that's heady stuff. It's this very heady stuff to walk into arena and see your last name on somebody else's back. What what else, what, what can possibly impress you? Well, apparently the first lady can impress Russell Westbrook and that's pretty awesome. And, and I would say for Michelle Obama, um, I would imagine Russell Westbrook, probably she's not too starstruck by him considering the fact that her brother is an NBA coach. Um, her husband was pre- her husband was freaking president of the United States of America. Come on, I buried the lead there. Uh, but your brother's an NBA coach. Your husband's the president. You get to meet dignitaries. Um, you get to meet people who are... In the media, you get to meet actors and actresses. And with as much as Barack Obama loved the NBA, there was a constant parade of players that were coming in and out of the White House that he would invite. 
because they wanted to meet him and them vice versa. And he'd go out and play basketball with them. I mean, she's seen just about everybody you can possibly see. So, I mean, Russell Westbrook, that's just one That's just one more to her. It's like, oh, hey, it's Russell Westbrook. All right, well, uh, that's great. You know, I met Denzel Washington the other day. And, uh, you know, she probably had lunch with um, some ruler of another country. I mean, it's just the way it goes with politicians. Um but that's that's it, and and for Russ to get to meet someone like that and still kind of have that look that kids have when they meet him, that's something that impresses me because you just don't see it from athletes all that often. And I can't say that I blame him. I mean, hey, I mean when you're when you're as big as Russ, it's kind of hard to be impressed. But you could tell he was definitely impressed by her presence, and uh, I would be too. I mean, look, I, I've seen Russ a lot. I'm down in that locker room every every single home game. Um, but yeah, if I saw Michelle Obama, I'd probably freak. I mean, saw her brother the other day when the, when the Knicks were in town, I was kind of freaking out then I wanted to go up to him and and, and talk to him, but I kept thinking, and you go up to him, you talk to him about his brother-in-law. Uh, he probably gets that all the time. So I just let the guy go. Let him, let him worry about basketball. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Thank you very much for joining us today. We'll be back tomorrow. Yes, a rare Saturday podcast breaking down the Nuggets and the Thunder. It's Locked on Thunder from the Locked on Podcast Network. And until tomorrow, may God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody. And of course, peace, love, and thunder up. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.